Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in Olympia, Washington. What? And I'm Andrea Ballard, also in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. Today, we'll try to contain our giddiness as we revel in the fact that we're not only in the same country, but in the same room in that country, which is the USA. We'll kick off a month that's all about the summertime bounty of stone fruit. From peaches to cherries, from pies to meringues, if it's got a pit, we're talking about it. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, I am still so excited about our Pies and Prosecco baking class that we hosted. I would love to do a quick recap for our listeners who weren't able to join us and let them know about how much fun we had. Oh, I agree. It was an absolute blast. So this was last July, and we met at the Little General in Olympia, Washington. We had eight students. They ranged from folks who had never baked a pie to folks who were pretty much teaching us tips as we went. (laughs) And uh, we went with a blueberry pie. We kicked around a couple of different ideas of what sort of pie we were going to make. But then we drove by my Spooner Berry Farm, and it was loaded up with blueberries. They were from a crop she called, interestingly, blue crop blueberries. (laughs) So, And you had actually picked some blueberries of your own earlier that day, I think, as well. Yeah, we had been up at, I think it's called Mountain View in Snohomish County, Washington. And if people are looking for a U-Pick farm, it was acres and acres and acres of blueberries. And Andrea, I did not really realize there were such a variety of blueberries. Of course, that makes sense. The ones that I picked that day were called Concord, and they were phenomenal as well. Yeah, that was something new for me as well. In fact, when the Spooners lady was telling me which crop the blueberries were from, I gave you that puzzled look like, oh, I didn't even realize that was a thing. But, you know, apples have different varieties. It makes sense that blueberries would as well. The blue crops were big. They were juicy. They were sweet. I would say they weren't as sour as the Concords that you let me try. Yeah, I think they had a they had a different flavor. They had a different shape. And part of that was really fun in this pie. I had not made a strict, straight blueberry pie in a really long time. I'd always put it with something. I think you had a bluebarb, rhubarb, blueberry, bluebarb, and I'd done it with other fruits as well. So it was a delicious pie. We made the, you made your lard and butter, Mary Beth's Mm -hmm. crust. I made a shortening crust. And we also had a crumble topping that was delicious. Yeah, that crumble topping was new. And I want to give a little shout out for a crumble topping for anyone who's still intimidated by baking pies. When you make your crust and you roll it out, and Stefan herself had this challenge because we were working in my very hot kitchen, and she had a lot of rips and tears. So she had to make what I call a patchwork crust. Mm -hmm. And that is where, you know, your dough doesn't roll out perfectly, and you have to take pieces from here and pieces from there and sort of patch it together. But that's on the bottom, and we reminded all of our students, no one is going to see that, so it doesn't matter. And then you put your blueberry filling in. That was delicious. We added a little bit of Cointreau, which is an orange-flavored liqueur. Of course, you could use orange zest if you'd rather use that. And we did the crumble topping, and it is a mixture of butter, sugar, oats, 
Is there anything else in it? Butter, sugar, oats, I think a little spice, a little nutmeg maybe. A little nutmeg maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brown sugar. Brown sugar. Yeah. yeah. We'll put the recipe on the website, of course. But the nice thing about that crumble topping, and let's be clear, butter was the key ingredient in it, is you pop that into the freezer, get it nice and chilled. You put it on your pie toward the end of baking time. And again, it covers a world of sins. You don't have to roll it out. It doesn't have to look beautiful. It just looks beautiful on its own. I think someone made the comment that it sort of combines a crisp and a pie or a cobbler and a pie. Yeah. And that was something I didn't expect to love as much as I did. Yeah. And I that was just a huge hit for me was that crumble topping. Yeah, for me as well. And Andrea, it was just so much fun to meet people that we had known from the Facebook community, but not necessarily met in person. And everyone was so gung-ho and so excited. As we expect from our Facebook community, we shouldn't have been surprised. Everyone was so supportive and kind. So into it, we had a blast. We hardly stopped laughing. We made beautiful (laughs) pies. And some people, as I said, that was their first pie they'd ever made. And I just, I don't know about you, I felt so proud of everyone. I was too. I definitely got some goosebumps. There were a few moments when some of our people took their bottom crust and we showed them how to flip it onto their rolling pin and use their rolling pin to lay it down in the bottom of their pie tin. And they were so proud of themselves. We had several people do a lattice crust, which is no easy endeavor, and they did it beautifully. Definitely want to have more events in the future because we had so much fun. Yeah, and of course, as we always do on the Facebook community, we had so many good suggestions from people at the class as well. So we are really looking forward to that. We are also so humbled. It sold out in minutes. It was really, really exciting for all of the enthusiasm. And yeah, I think you guys, we'd love to see you at other live events. So that will be in the planning stages. Yeah, especially the people who traveled from far away. Thank you. I mean, obviously, Stefan came from London, so she gets the the <laughs> big <won>. prize. <laughs> you win. You win on that one. But we had people who traveled from several hours away just for our class, and that really warmed our hearts. So thank you, everyone. It was so much fun. Well, speaking of pie and lattice and deliciousness, we are kicking off our month of stone fruit. This is going to be a delicious month. Really excited. And we're starting with a pie that is a classic peach pie. Peaches still prevalent in the later summer. You know, Andrea, weather has been kind of wacky and fruit may be coming in a little bit later Mm -hmm. than in some other years necessarily. I know we had heard when we were at Spooner that your Marion berries were coming in a little later. You're right, Stefan. The marionberries did come in later than they normally do, and so that might be the case with peaches as well. And if you can't find fresh peaches in your market, you absolutely can use frozen peaches for this recipe. That is not a problem. This is a butter crust and an all-butter crust, actually. Uh, You have your flour, some sugar in there, table salt, two sticks of butter, and some water. And this does have a lattice crust. Andrea, it also, if you are using those fresh peaches, it has a technique that I know you and I have both done in the past, and that is to blanch the peaches. That is for ease of peeling. I don't think this has gone well for you in the past. Is that right? Now, when I hear blanch the peaches, I break out into a cold sweat because my last (laughs) blanching memory, it wasn't with peaches, but we had those beautiful tomatoes from Yakima, Washington come into season. This was either one or two summers ago. My husband and I were at the farmer's market 
and we bought this crazy huge box. I want to say it was like a 25 or 50 pound box of tomatoes because we thought we're going to go home and can tomatoes, which we had never (laughs) done before. So we got home with this enormous box of tomatoes. I looked up the recipe and step one was blanch and peel your tomatoes. And I tell you, we had the canning pot. We're boiling water. We're dipping the hot tomatoes in. We're trying not to burn ourselves. They were not peeling as easily as it stated in the recipe. There were skins all over everything. I mean, it looked like a bloodbath by the time we were done. And um, that was my last experience blanching and peeling. So I am a little nervous about this with the peaches. One thing that I like she calls out to do, which I'm not sure I've ever done before, is to cut an X in the bottom of the peach. And I am going, she says a small X. You know what, Andrea? I'm going to go for a big X and see if that makes a difference as far as the ease. So basically, you're boiling them as many as you can fit into a large Dutch oven, some kind of a vessel that's going to hold a lot of water for you. You are putting those in there about two minutes. I don't know. I sometimes go a little closer to three also. You don't want that fruit to start cooking. Okay. Then you're transferring it to the ice bath for about a minute to cool down. And that's a good combination. You can't skip that ice water bath because it kind of shocks the skin. And then hopefully where your X was, it's going to start peeling back and that's going to slip right off. Okay. So that X kind of gives you that opening so you know exactly where to start peeling. That's helpful. And make it big. Okay, good to know. Make it big. <laughs> X, X marks the spot <laughs> exactly. on the peach. Exactly. Okay. I have to admit, I don't know that I've made a peach pie in the last four or five years. It is something that I absolutely love to eat. I've had some really, really good ones, but this is going to be one that I haven't made in recent history, so I'm pretty excited about it. I like to uh, – so this is a recipe from Smitten Kitchen, and if you aren't familiar with her recipes, she has a great and fun writing style. So her recipes are kind of rambling and a little bit long, but they're really also very entertaining to read. And her point is this is called classic peach pie. She doesn't want bourbon in her peach pie. She doesn't want caramelized brown sugar. She wants a classic peach pie. And I like that we're starting with this, a good go-to TNT peach pie. That's what I'm hoping to find here. Yeah, I, I, at least looking at the recipe, that's what this looks like. It looks like something our grandmothers or mothers would have made, and I am happy to carry on the tradition. So you're definitely going to have to find some good fruit. It's a three and a half pounds of peaches, so that's approximately six large, seven medium, or eight small. If you're buying in the freezer section, you typically will find bags ranging from you know one pound of frozen fruit to two and a half pounds. Yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest that I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. And Smitten Kitchen too, Andrea, we have had great success. I'm especially thinking of her jalapeno cheddar scones that we did in Breakfast Month back in our first season in episode 24. Oh, yeah. Those were so good. I love those. You know, I love my savory bakes. So, yeah, that's a big one. That's a great one. I do want to mention, too, when baking with frozen fruit that you'll want to use the baking time as a guideline, you probably need to add time to it. I do not let my frozen fruit defrost before I bake it. I think you could do that, but I never have, and it works out just fine. But for example, if they say, let's say they bake it, you know, 20 minutes at 425 and then 35 to 40 minutes at 350, I'm probably going to add an additional 10 to 15 minutes on top of that if my fruit was frozen. And I'm really going to be looking for that bubbling, that sizzling. I want to make sure that it's cooked all the way through so that I 
I can um, be certain that it's going to set up nicely. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We both made a pie for our pie class that we taught, and I ended up cooking my pie almost 45 minutes longer than the recipe had specified. So it really is a guideline. Your Mm -hmm. oven may run cold. It might run hot. You want to use it as a starting point and then use these other indicators the brownness of the crust if it's filling is bubbling as Andrea just said too so it is a guideline and Andrea when we were baking together you taught me a tip from your mother about covering the crust which is so genius I want you to share it with our listeners it has to do with the tinfoil oh that's right okay so when you're baking if your crust is already at the level of brownness that you want, but your inside is not bubbling, your center of your pie is not bubbling yet, so you think it needs to bake a little bit longer, go ahead and tear off a square of foil. And then what I do is I fold it in half, and then I make a rip in it, and then I fold it in half the opposite way, and I make another rip in it. So basically, you've got like a little cross in the middle of your crust. You then fold those four corners back. And so then you've basically created a temporary pie shield, and you put that over the top of your pie. And so the four corners of your slits in the middle create an opening. So the inside or the center of the pie is still exposed to the heat, but all of the edges and the crust are covered by the foil. And I put the shiny side down. I don't know if that's important, but that's how I do it. That's how my mom taught me. It's like opening a Jiffy Pop. Do you remember those? Yes. (laughs) That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. But what I love is for years, I have some ready-made pie shields. I have a silicone one and I have a metal one. And then for years, I've been like making these strips of tin foil and trying to put them around the hot plate and they're falling off and I'm Mm -hmm. burning my fingers. Why didn't I just think to do the sheet and cut it out around the pie? I mean, it worked brilliantly. Yeah. Thank you, Betty. Thank you, Betty. <laughs> Sometimes the cheapest and the fastest solution really is the best. And this is one of those examples. So, yeah, I've never bought any of the commercial pie shields or um, done the crimping around the edge. I've always just used that big piece of foil right over the top. And I actually save it. You saw I pulled it out of the drawer next yeah. to my oven. Yeah. Why not? So I just fold it back up when I'm done and I use it over and over again. You know, I wanted to talk about another ingredient in this recipe. She uses tapioca, a uh, minute tapioca, for her thickener, and she grinds it down kind of into a powder, is what she says. I have a little harder time, especially with minute tapioca in England, so I will be using her variation, which is the corn starch. We call that corn flour in England. Okay, that's great. And I use the minute tapioca all the time. I use the one that comes in the red box made yep. by Kraft. And it's on the baking aisle, usually no trouble finding it. I'll usually do anywhere between one to two tablespoons, depending on how juicy the fruit is. You know, the juicier it is, the more uh, tapioca I'm going to use. I have never ground the pearls before, Mm -mm. and I've not found there to be a problem with that. I've never run across a pearl, but definitely have to cook it all the way through. If you don't cook it long enough, you still will have the little pearls in there. So it is an important thing if you're not going to grind it, you want to make sure you're, you're really cooking your pie all the way through. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt you or anything. It just doesn't no. look good. And then your pie probably isn't as thick because it didn't have that chance to break down. Right, right, yeah. And then, you know, I love the last step in these instructions. And it says you need to cool this pie for three hours and you're going to be going crazy because there it is on your counter and she (laughs) says in fact I know you won't listen to me but really try your best because fruit pies especially they have to thicken back up and they will just be a runny mess if you don't let them do that so really try your best 
Yeah, that's super important. Um, as many of you know, if you've been listening to our show for the last couple of years, I used to be in charge of judging at the Olympia Pie Fest, and people would bring in their contest entries. We would tell them they could bring them in between, I think, 8 and 10 a.m., and we started our judging at 11 a.m., and it would break my heart if someone would come running in at like five minutes till 10 with their piping hot fruit pie, knowing that I would need to be cutting into it in like half an hour, and there was no way it was going to yeah. Set up. Yeah, three hours is great. You could even do it the night before. I mean, and just, you know, warm it up a little bit if you want before you serve it. I would err on the side of caution on that one. And then, Andrea, do you have any tips for the lattice? This is a lattice crust, so it has those crisscross strips back and forth across the top. I think that's always so especially pretty with a fruit pie. I do, too. I love doing a lattice crust. I use a pastry wheel when I cut my strips, and a pastry wheel is one of those little wheels that has a fluted edge. If you don't have a pastry wheel, you can certainly just use a knife and cut regular strips. I heard once that an odd number of strips is more pleasing to the eye than an even number. Mm. So, um, for example, if you're going to do five strips for your lattice, you're going to be cutting 10 because you're going to have five going in one direction and five going in the other direction. I like to do what I call a fat lattice, and that is cutting much wider strips than normal. So I typically do three strips for each direction, so six strips total. And, I mean, they're really wide. They're almost, gosh, I don't know, two inches wide. Okay. Yeah, I lay, once I've cut my strips, so they're right there on my cutting board or wherever I rolled my dough out, I've cut all of my strips, and then I start picking up every other one to place onto the pie. So let's say that I've cut six, so I'll number them one through six. So I'll pick up strip one and put it on the edge. I'll pick up strip three and put it in the middle. I'll pick up strip five and put it on the other edge. Then you fold back strip three and go in the opposite direction. You lay down strip two and, you know, then you fold back strip one and five and you lay down strip four. It's kind of crazy for me to talk about this. This is definitely a very visual thing. I will post a link to a YouTube video that shows you how to make lattice work. I think seeing it done is really the trick. Uh, Just talking about it is a bit of a challenge. I was super impressed with our students, many of whom had never made a lattice top before and how beautiful their lattices turned out. Yeah, absolutely they are. And it's just like weaving, I think is how I think Mm -hmm. of it. If you remember those looms you had as a kid, maybe it's just over and under, over and under. And it's such a rustic but refined way to do a pie topping and you get good access to all that filling. Mm -hmm. It's really pretty. These peaches are going to be so corally, peachy, orange. It's going to be a beautiful pie. So then you're going to finish that off with an egg wash, which is a combination of a little beaten egg and some milk or cream. That just helps the crust brown. Remember to brown that to your liking. So you might want to put on that tinfoil hat that we talked about. Just (laughs) keep an eye on that tinfoil hat. It sounds like you're going to be communicating with the aliens through your pie. But (laughs) hey, hey, let us know if that happens, okay? So remember, we will have a link to that recipe, which is Smitten Kitchen's Classic Peach Pie, on our website, which is preheatedpodcast.com, and we will have that on our Facebook page as well. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode on to the cooling rack. Next week, we'll review the Smitten Kitchen's Classic Peach Pie and introduce a plum and berry meringue from, where else, Waitrose. We'll also pull into the Gadget Garage to chat about a variety of new, fun, and funky gadgets we don't know how we've lived without. 
Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like our show, please do tell a friend and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download our podcast. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn, also in Olympia, Washington, but usually in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.